Bonjour everyone and welcome back to Casse Ligne, the football podcast with the accent. Uh, today we are going to talk of course about Ligue 1, but the focus first will be on Christophe Galtier. Christophe Galtier, who is probably the best French coach working uh, at the moment, is of course the, the Nice coach right now after winning the Ligue 1 title with Lille last season. And so I think it was probably worth looking into, you know, who he is and and specifically um, what his tactical identity is. You know, I think he's a coach that will definitely play Europe next season with Nice. And that if he if he keeps on his trajectory, he has probably a future into um, a bigger club. We actually probably expected him this summer to not join Nice, but instead to join um, another team in, uh, I guess, in the European Great. Um, anyway, in the first half, we are going to talk about Christophe Gatier. And in the second part, we will discuss match day 25 and um, the couple of surprises that happened with, of course, Paris Saint-Germain winning against Nantes and Marseille being surprised at home against Clermont Foot. Start in a second. As usual, first, music. So the first part of today's podcast, uh, Castelline, the French football podcast of Breaking the Lines, is about Christophe Galtier, the a bit of the golden boy right now in France. Uh, Christophe Galtier, a coach who has, um, you know, turned turned a few fates around when he was the the Saint Etienne coach. He changed a, uh, I guess, a team almost promised for Ligue 2 into a, a European contender. And uh, as soon as he took over Lille, same thing. He went from a team that you know saved themselves by a point from relegation to a team that won the league a couple of years later. I guess for anybody who doesn't know him, um, who is Christophe Galtier to start with? So he's a, he's a former football player, I guess, like like many a coach these days. Um, and he's a player who played in the in the end of the 80s um, and all of the 90s for Marseille, for Lille, for Toulouse, for Angers, for Nîmes. Uh, and then he played for Marseille again when they were in, uh, in second division and, and back in first division as well before a couple of short stints um, overseas in Italy and in China. After his, his playing career, he set himself to become a coach, and, and to do so, he was first an assistant coach while uh, plus passing all his diplomas. So he was an assistant at Marseille, uh, at Bastia, and then um, he paired up with um, Alain Perrin, with, uh, with that famous French coach in, uh, in the 2000s. Uh, he first coached, or rather assisted Alain Perrin while he was coaching in the Middle East, and then he followed him at Lyon, at Saint-Étienne, at Sochaux, and at Portsmouth in the um, UK that um, our UK listeners would know, of course, uh, the club who had uh, the famous striker Yakubu at one point playing for them. Um, anyway, uh, Christophe Galtier finally got his first gig as a number one at Saint-Étienne when he replaced Alain Perrin, who was, who was sacked. Um, and he did stay at Saint-Étienne for nine years, um, which is a, a very long stint by, uh, by these day and age standards. Uh, during those nine, those nine years, he went from saving them from a possible relegation on year one um, to qualifying them four times in European competition. Um, you know, he kind of started to get noticed um, out of out of nine seasons. Eight times he finishes in the top 10 with Saint-Étienne. So, you know, sure, he was making sure that recruitment was smart, but he was also um, definitely just getting the best out of whatever team he was training um, at the time. Now, um, you know, it's a quick, quick history of him. Uh, and now that's when things become interesting because um, things become related to um, his football style nowadays. 
Um, so he quit Saint Etienne in 2017 uh, at the end of his contract and remains jobless for about six months. Uh, and then during these six months, he actually explained in a few interview um, that he rewatched quite a few of his uh, Saint Etienne games uh, and that he sort of found them to be to be quite boring. Um, he, he, he explains that. He realized that first when um, when still being a coach at Saint Etienne in 2016, he watched the game at home because he was suspended instead of going to the to the stadium and watching it from the stands just to see if he could you know I guess gather a bit more intel by watching it on TV. Um, and he said that during that game in, in October 2016, he realized that Saint Etienne's football just wasn't very attractive. Fast forward a year later when he's got no job and uh, and there he is actually asking some of his former players what they thought about the football that they played, about the, you know, the, the tactics and, and I guess the general atmosphere at Saint-Etienne. And he realized that quite a few players did say the same thing, that, you know, Galche's football was effective, but um, I guess was generally quite boring. And Galche, I guess, got this reputation from there of being a coach who wins, but the coaches who wins, I guess, sort of at all costs uh, and, and, you know, kind of like got, put into that box of the Mourinho's and the Andre Villas-Boas who, who would win 1-0 um, any day of the week, even if it means parking the bus for, for 92 minutes and scoring at the 94th. Um, so he actually didn't like that little reputation and he actually didn't like um, to find himself being, um, I guess, quote-unquote, a boring coach. Um, so so for those six months that he was jobless, he kind of refueled the batteries and he started talking, you know, left or right and started analyzing other footballs, um, you know, including but not limited to um, Pep Guardiola because he, he talks about him quite a bit. Um, and then he ends up uh, going to Lille after um, Bielsa gets sacked in uh, in 2017. Uh, six months later, he saves them from relegation by just a point. Uh, and then the rest is history, of course, because um, two years later, he wins the title ahead of Paris Saint-Germain um, last June. When he quits Lille, because he decides that he wants to quit Lille after that title, uh, of course, there's a little bit of story with the president who doesn't want him to go on a free and was sort of like stalling and, and now there's a bit of bad blood between the two. Um, but I guess there's a bit of expectation in France being that Galtier is recognized as one of the best French coaches that we've seen in a while. Uh, there's a bit of expectations that he might find himself, you know, at, at Milan or somewhere in England uh, or even somewhere in Spain with a, with a team that is playing European games. Uh, yet he decides to join... Nice and Nice at the time, um, you know, he's just out of a, a pretty poor season with uh, Vieira and Ursa at the on the bench, and he's not qualified for any European game. So it's a bit of a surprise, and I'm not going to say it's still a step back because we know the ambitions that Nice have since Ineos took over. But you know, it's a bit of a clearly Galce is not going in there for uh, for just a one hit, one year wonder, but he's going in there for an actual project and to stay two or three years and to see how far he can bring. Um, the team that is backed by Ineos because he actually explains that Ineos and uh, and Radcliffe backing the club is the main reason why Galce joins this. Uh, you know, Ineos, if uh, if you guys haven't heard of them, um, they are in Formula 1, they are in cycling, they are in boat racing um, and they win wherever they go. Um, they, they backed always the, the winning team and I guess they made sure that the winning team have the the funds they need to be able to win. Um, so that's one of that's probably the main reason why um, Galche joins this. Um, and then once he's there, um, I guess he sort of makes a statement by refusing um, to have one season of, uh, you know, you call them like transition seasons where he's not technically 
um, held accountable for results. Um, he says that straight away he wants to win um, as early as possible uh, and he wants to, to make sure that the team can actually take advantage of the fact that they're not playing any European games. And so that's obviously an advantage on Paris and Marseille and um, Monaco and Lyon and Lille. Um, and so straight away, he wants to make sure the team knows and the player knows uh, that they're playing for the Champions League. Uh, obviously, it works well. Um, the, the start of the season, it's uh, it's three games. If we don't count the one against Marseille, that was interrupted, of course. Uh, it's three games, three wins, 10 goals uh, scored and, and zero conceded. Um, but it's also um, a success in the locker room. Uh, the, the players really understand quite quickly what's expected. Um, you know, Hisham Boudawi um, gave an interview to, to the uh, website called SoFoot, French website, where he says that, you know, training is very different, um, that the system work is not a 4-3-3 anymore, but it becomes a 4-4-2, which is, of course, what we know from Christophe Galtier. Uh, and that, um, you know, high press is uh, is definitely worked quite a bit, um, that there's a lot of, um, I guess, a lot of pairing put together that the way the way Galtier works is tactic, uh, is through aggressivity, through intensity, uh, but it's also through making sure that um, players are playing together well. And so we start um, hearing that he's got his own little, um, I guess his own little way. He's like a lot of coaches, of course, but uh, he's saying, for example, we all know that, but it's it's interesting, I think, to hear players saying it, almost being surprised, um, that he keeps repeating that it needs to be really hard during the week for it to be easy during the weekend. I mean, of course, training makes perfect. Uh, but we also uh, learned that the briefings, you know, the pregame briefing or or halftime briefing are usually made uh, in pairs. So uh, Galche would talk to the two central defenders together, um, to the left back and the wing and the left winger together, to the two um, central midfielders together, to the two strikers together, um, to make sure that they all know what to expect from each other and that they are working um, well together. Um, you know, of course, all those things kind of like seem common sense from the uh, from the outside looking in, but it also shows that um, Galche is the kind of coach that is happy to take it to the basics and to uh, really bring these men into the way he wants to play. He is known to be a, a man manager and to be very good at making the most out of the team that he has and to getting the best out of his players. Uh, but hearing players, you know, explaining how he comes from, uh, to me, is always something quite um, interesting. So if we look at his at his team uh, this season, uh, of course he did uh, he did really well to uh, to get the Dante coming back. We we know how bad it was last year for Patrick Vieira when Dante got injured, the uh, Brazilian centre back. Uh, and so at first he decided to line up uh, Dante, of course, next to Todibo, and and that works quite well. Uh, Melvin Barr, who they took from Lyon, is the starting left back. On the right back, there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of alternating, but Youssef Atal, the young Algerian, um, is the one who starts. Um, but um, but he also gives its uh, his chance to Boudaoui a bit uh, a bit lower and Kamara before he leaves, uh, and just make sure that everyone I guess stays involved uh, by doing um, a little bit of of rotation. Uh, Lotomba of course get get his bit of a chance on the on the right side um, as well. Danieluch recently is the one who's playing as a right back, and we're going to come back into how his uh, tactics are changing throughout the season. Uh, at first, the midfield is, of course, Mario Lemina and Pablo Rosario, the two recruits, uh, and we can see how well it works. Um, Lemina has taken quite a bit of, um, I guess, quite a bit of muscle mass while he was in England, and so when he comes back in Ligue 1, it just seems uh, a bit like faster, stronger, and uh, and and 
harder to move in the midfield and we can see the impact straight away. And Pablo Rosario's technique um, is really useful to be able to get the ball out as early as possible. Uh, of course, up front, I mean, Guiri is a standout and so is Dolberg. Um, every other game, I guess. Uh, Andre Delors, I guess, disappoints a little bit uh, despite scoring a few goals early on. Uh, but where we start seeing how good um, Galche is in man management is we start seeing those pairs slowly changing and Galche really able to actually analyze the form of his players um, and when to make them play. So, you know, if we look at that starting lineup that I sort of said, um, at first it was Hassan Kamara and Calvin Stengs on the wings. And then slowly but surely, Amin Guiri started taking the wings and Delors and Dolberg played up front. Uh, and then Calvin Stengs slowly sits down on the bench a little bit more and Justin Cloviat come in and now Justin Cloviat is having a ball. Uh, Kefren Turam um, proves himself and pushes Mario Lemina on the bench even even after the AFCON because now Lemina is uh, is back and, uh, and sort, of, sort of truly rested. Um, yet he's not seeing the, the field at the start anymore. Um, and... And Galche does that really well. And Galche did that in Lille as well. I mean, um, when when Govenek came and took over after Galche, everyone said that it was the exact same team, except um, the goalkeeper, um, Ménian, who had left for Milan AC. And people tended to, I guess, sort of understate the fact that Subao also left during the summer, saying, oh, he only played the last three months for Lille. He wasn't the starter of the whole season. Uh, but what Galche did well is making sure that Subao was playing um, Sumare, excuse me, not Sumaro, Sumare was playing when it was at the top of his form. So at the beginning of the season, the midfield for Lille was more Cheka and Andre. And then as soon as Cheka sort of had a bit of a, a bit of a down moment, um, he put Sumare in straight away. And Sumare was the guy who really helped in the past three months to make sure that, um, Lille would get to that title. He's doing the exact same thing with, uh, with Nice. And if we see the game that was played, um, this week, uh, you know, Dante and Tojipo are still there. The left back is Melvin Bark. The right back is Lotomba. And at the midfield is Rosario, Turam, Cloyvert, and Boudaoui on the right. And the front is um, Dolberg and Delors. Um, so, you know, of course, um, he, he can afford uh, to leave a Guiri on the bench, to leave a, a Lemina on the bench. Uh, he's bringing Schneiderland back from, I don't know where, because Schneiderland wasn't playing for a while um, because of being out of form. And now he's able to, to play in Ligue 1 again, which is, again, Something that um, a, a guy like Christophe Galche can do pretty pretty easily. Uh, Calvin Stengs is uh, is almost sort of uh, MIA. Um, although he had a few starts at the beginning of the season, we expected him to really explode, but it turned out to be Cloyvert who's having a, a great beginning of 2022. Um, and all those things, I think, really shows how well Galche holds his whole group and how well he makes them understand that um, they're here to win. They're not here to win today or tomorrow. They're here to win at the end of the season. Uh, they're still, of course, playing in the French Cup because they're playing against Versailles in about 10 days in the semi-final of the French National Cup. Uh, and in Ligue 1, they're third, um, one point behind um, Marseille. Let's look a little bit more into um, the actual tactic because it's a, uh, I guess it's a 4-4-2 that people might call um, old-fashioned, uh, but it's actually, um, to, to use a term that everyone is using these days, um, it's a 4-4-2 who is as uh, as liquid as it gets, as opposed to uh, to solid and uh, and to uh, eight player, ten players, sorry, never moving. Um, so I guess one of the precepts of um, Christophe Galche is that they have to press pretty high uh, and they have to press pretty um, 
intensely and pretty aggressively. And when they don't need to press this high and they press throughout the, the midfield, the intensity needs to remain the same. Uh, so it's all about making sure that the, the four at the back defensively are always, you know, sort of 10 meters from each other to make sure that no one can take the, um, the enter spaces. But that up front, the six player always press together, uh, and are able to, you know, sort of easily, um, wave from right to left while keeping, um, a block together. Uh, and you can see this when you, when you watch the games, every time, um, a winger starts, pressing um, the opponent's fullback. Uh, straight away, the center midfielder goes into the, the guy who's going to be in the midfield. The striker goes into the center back that's the closest from the left back. Um, and they make sure that, you know, the whole team sort of gets into that momentum of going, throwing throughout the right, forcing the opponents to either play a long ball, which, you know, ends up being a 50-50 um, and something that the defense of Nice will be happy to to see or to try and, and play short and potentially lose the ball. And we see a lot of goals from this coming from those balls that are lost um, in the other half, uh, which, of course, are um, the bread and butter of any coach who like to press um, higher. <clears throat> as soon as Nice score, they then apply the same kind of pressure, but much lower on the pitch. Uh, and they're much, much denser in the middle of the park, making sure that they're forcing the teams to use the wings. And again, um, if teams are going to start using the wings, they're going to have to cross. Um, and he's pretty confident in his ability um, in the box of these of his defender to to head those crosses away. So it's all about minimizing risks, you know, like a lot of coaches are saying. Uh, and it's all about making sure that um, the best way to defend is to have the ball. Uh, and so the earliest you get the ball, um, the the better you'll defend, right? Uh, now, the, the difference, I think, between him and um, a Guardiola, a Bielsa, a Sampaoli is when he's got the ball, is definitely a little bit more about, um, you know, straight, direct, offensive football than about keeping the possession, um, I'll say, for no reason, it's a bit mean, but um, keeping the possession without um, trying to, to score as early as possible. Um, so you would see in, in game against, like, smaller teams uh, that early on, Nice might have a possession of over 70% of the ball, uh, but then this will slowly melt with the, with the as the game goes with the amount of goals scored as well. As soon as he scored two goals, um, he just doesn't need to attack anymore. He can let the other team come and, and proceed in counter-attack, and he's quite um, comfortable doing this. Offensively, when they have the ball, uh, that 4-4-2 really quickly becomes um, like a sort of a 3-2-5 with um, one of the two centre-mid dropping in, in central defense and the two um, left and right back going all the way up on the pitch uh, or even um, a 3-1-6. We've seen that in a couple of games um, where the two centimeters sort of stay where they are. One drops, one stays in the, center, in the middle uh, and then everyone else is playing up front uh, and now all of a sudden the other team um, needs to defend with six players which sort of um, ruins a little bit of their shape uh, and that creates a lot of, um, you know, a lot of ability to put the other team off balance. It's something that I think is basically probably not discussed enough in France. Everyone talks about Sampaoli and everyone talks about um, the the lack of tactics when it comes to Pochettino, for example, um, of, or for Govenek. But seeing how well, um, how well-oiled the machine is in Nice and seeing how well all they go from that 4-4-2 to that 3-2-5, 3-1-6, and how they don't, they don't really make a big fuss out of it, and and they are very very quickly going from one 
um, form to the other, uh, which make it look like they are playing more defensively than they are. Whenever they have the ball, the ability they have to to project themselves up front and to have, like I said, five people uh, playing up front and, and, you know, one of the two strikers ended up in, in a bit of a false time to be able to offer more solutions to the midfield um, is the reason why um, they've been so successful uh, this season. I mean, the the results don't lie. You know, we're talking about um, the best defense in Liga. They've um, conceded 21 times uh, in 25 games. Uh, they might, they're not the best attack, you know, by, by a long mile. They have scored less than um, the likes of Lance. They've scored uh, almost as many goals as, as Bordeaux. They've scored as many goals as Bordeaux, actually, 37. Uh, they've scored less than um, the Strasbourg and the Rennes and, and the PSG of this world. Um, but they've consistently, um, you know, won their games, which is what's most important. Uh, and I guess if the first two games they scored, um, they won twice 4-0, after that, they sort of had a tendency to win their games just 2-1 or 2-0 or 1-0, um, showing, um, you know, maybe a lack of ambition for certain, but another way to see it is that uh, it's proper game management and is not um, wearing their players out when you have um, the full second half of the season to play. Um, they've had two moments where they, they struggled a little bit. Of course, the past couple of weeks, uh, losing at home against Clermont and losing against Lyon, um, showing real fatigue, uh, but those two games... You could argue um, that were in between two Coupe de France um, clash against Paris Saint-Germain and against Marseille, uh, and they won both brilliantly. Uh, but also at the end of November, early December, um, they had a moment where they could only get um, one win in five games. You know, they lost to Montpellier, they lost to Metz, uh, they could only draw in Paris Saint-Germain, but no one's holding them accountable for that. Uh, and then they lost at home 3-0 against Strasbourg. And every time they've had this um, sort of... Um, moment of, of playing a little bit less well. Uh, that's where you see again the the man management of um of Christophe Galtier who's happy to change three, four players the next game around um to sort of remotivate the team and to sort of making sure that they understand how important it is for them to get results week in, week out if they want to go to their objective, which is no doubt um the Champions League. Um, so yeah, look, I think it was important for me to to talk a little bit about Galche because, like I said, next next year you'll see him quite a bit in the the Champions League or in the Europa League uh, with Nice, most likely. And also, um, if it's if it's not the case, or sorry, it is the case at the end of the year after I should say, excuse me, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being um, the coach of one of those bigger clubs somewhere else in Europe. <laughs> 